Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast. Kevin AC, Padres beat writer for the Union Tribune. I am in Peoria, Arizona. Been out the last couple days at the Complex. Padres pitchers and catchers report on Wednesday. We're recording this on Tuesday back in San Diego. Union Tribune sports editor Jay Posner. Jay, year three of the Hot Lava Podcast. And I would say, you know, it's a little different. Uh, you know, year two was different than one. Year three different than two in terms of going into spring training. Like, hey, you know what? They seem to be better, the Padres do. But also, huh, how good are the Padres? Like, <laughs> what, what do you think, Jay? Well, I, I, I mean, at this time last year, they hadn't even signed Machado, uh, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. And, and there was obviously great excitement after that was done. And, and there was great excitement, I think, for the first four months of of how Machado played and, and the last couple months, as did the rest of the team, he kind of, he kind of fell apart. The team fell apart. We have a new manager to talk about, you know, which we've, which we've done in a couple of the off season podcasts, but I, you know, I don't know what to make of this team. I mean, I, I, I like to fall back on, on Vegas in these situations. And, and I, the over under, I believe is around 82 and a half or 83. Mm-hmm. I, to me, that seems a, about right. I mean, to, I, I don't, I don't see that as an automatic. Okay, wow! I'm definitely taking the over. Or I'm definitely taking the under. It it seems it seems like a good number. I haven't done a dive into this, Jay. All I saw was a tweet, but that the Bakota uh, projections came out today, and they have the Dodgers with 103 victories, and then the Diamondbacks and Padres with 79. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. The Dodgers uh, at uh, 102.5 officially on here. Okay. Pa- Padres at 79. Point three and Arizona at seventy eight point nine, and then Colorado at seventy six point six. So not a lot of optimism uh, among the projections for the for the NL West, uh, and and certainly not for the for the Padres being into contention. Although it does, it gives them an eighteen point five percent chance of of making the playoffs. I, I would think the Padres probably feel a little better about their team. Then you know seventy nine wins. I, I I would think you know eighty three. Like we talked about eighty three. I don't want to say the Padres should take that and run, but at the same time they did win seventy last year, and you know eighty four would be a twenty percent increase. That's to me that's a lot. Uh, so if you could get into that low eighties thing, that would probably be probably be a pretty good season if they were in the low eighties. To me, anyway. Yeah, if you if you uh, were to lose, you know, uh, nine of your last eleven and win eighty three, that's one thing. But mm-hmm. I, I, it's hard to imagine too many scenarios where an eighty three win Padres team isn't considered to have been, you know, um, obviously statistically and numerically, it's a vast improvement. Uh, what am I trying to say? But like that's a in these parts. That would be a pretty good. <laughs> I, I would agree. That would be a in terms of. You're climbing, right? You're climbing towards the build because you know if, if they did that, they did that a little bit with you know Mackenzie Gore getting some experience, which he almost certainly will at this level this year. Uh, Luis Patino, um, and and it, for them to get to 83, it means you know probably Manny Machado had something of a of a bounce back here, which they're looking for. And Fernando Tatis was you know close to what he was, which is a question all in itself. Uh, you know whether he'll have a 4.13 batting average on balls and play again. Well, and they certainly want need more. They need more than 83 games out of. Uh, or I forget the exact number, but more games out of Tatis. I mean, they they need better play out of Eric Hosmer. They need someone to step up at 
at second base. Uh, you know, they need to sort out uh, center field and right field. They need to, to figure out who the catcher is. So I, I guess that brings us to the sort of what we said we would talk about a little bit today, which is w- what are the biggest stories going in uh, to spring training? And I know you're writing about this tomorrow, but as a little bit of a sneak preview for those uh, for those joining us on the podcast, we're always grateful for that. Where do you where do you start with the storylines on on this team? In terms of the ones that really matter, like look, the bullpen's good. Who's going to be in it? You know, is there one or you know one spot maybe available? Well, whoever it is, that bullpen appears like it's going to be pretty good, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, they, I was thinking maybe they could find a way where they would just pitch the bullpen all the time, you know, because that's that's how good they it it looks like it should be. And again, is there a spot or two available? You have to think the answer is yes, only because the the idea that, you know, the eight guys that are targeted for the bullpen right now, right. that they're all going to make it through spring training, you know, healthy and, and able to be ready on opening day seems to be pretty unlikely. Just like the idea that you kind of know who the five starters are going to be right now, which I'm, I'm sure you're going to get to in a second. But again, things happen during the spring and you know it's always good that they've got depth in the rotation which I think they have I mean I'm not saying they have depth in terms of like they have you know seven number one and number two starters but it seems like they have at least six or seven people who you could put out there in the rotation and and you know not go oh my gosh what is that guy doing out there Absolutely. And I'll get to the rotation. But my thing on the, starting with the bullpen by saying, you know, it's not my top storyline, even though it's probably the strength of this team, is that as long as Kirby Yates doesn't get hurt and Emilio Padon doesn't get hurt, uh, you know, and Drew Prominence doesn't get hurt in spring training, whoever's in that bullpen, you know, is, it's going to be a good bullpen. And then I would, like you said, I'd say almost the same thing as the rotation. Uh, Paddock, Lamette, Richards, whatever you want to call them, one, two, three. Uh, you know, I think that there's a lot of excitement, by, uh, you know, for the Padres about those guys and, and the steps that they can make this year. All of them with the Tommy John in their history. Chris Paddock, very young. Lamette still inexperienced. Richards looked really good, but you know, was erratic in his four starts last year. Uh, those limited starts. I think there's a lot to be, you know. Uh, I, I think it's legitimate. Um, is it Cal Quantra or Joey Lucchese and, and Zach Davies? Uh, two, which two of those three? I don't think it really matters. So that's not one of my top storylines. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm going to start. I guess I'm going to start in the outfield. And is Trent Grisham good enough to be essentially an everyday player? And by that, a guy who has 3.30 on base percentage uh, and and is you know patrolling uh, center field at Petco Park and, and elsewhere uh, in, in a quality manner. I think that I think that's huge. Because they got him and Tommy Pham, obviously, to increase their offensive productivity. Get on base, provide <laughs> a little power, right. score runs. It feels like we talk about that every every year, every week, every day almost. Get on find guys that can get on base. Yep. And I'm really gonna believe in the San Diego curse if Tommy Pham comes here and can't get on base. Uh, <laughs> so you know, you've got you figure he's he's a lock in left field. Grisham's a big question mark. I mean, he's young. Uh, he hasn't been an everyday guy in the big leagues before. Is he ready to take that mm-hmm. big big leap forward and and do that now? I mean, obviously with with Margot gone, uh, that was sort of the platoon maybe that we were we were maybe thinking about. Mm-hmm. The signing yesterday of Juan Lagares is is interesting to me only because he's such a good defensive player that he's someone that could factor in maybe as a as a fourth or fifth guy uh, out there and 
And then, you know, there's the storyline that never, ever, ever ends, which is Will Myers. Where does Will Myers fit in? Are they gonna Are they gonna continue on with Will Myers? Are they gonna eat the contract? I, I mean, to me, that's one of the uh, again, one of the big, if not the biggest, question about this team is what are they gonna do with Will Myers? Well, and I would say that it's not my big question, even though it's a big story. It's I mean, it's just the thing that hangs over this team. You know, the fact that they made it basically their priority, the unspoken number one priority of the offseason, they couldn't get it done was to move a good portion of that contract and try to get something back in return. But Will's going to be here. But see, there's the next step to me. There's the next step to me. Is it worth it to have him here when you don't know that you can you, – you certainly can't count on him. Even He could have the greatest spring since John Roscos or whatever that guy's name was. Uh, I think I got that right way back in the day. And then the guy came, the guy, oh, we got to have this guy on the roster. And he ended up like one for 30 and they cut him and th- that was it. But Will Myers could have the greatest, he could look like Mike Trout during mm-hmm. spring. And are you really going to buy in that come that come April or May or June that that's going to be the Will Myers you're going to get? It's. I mean, that would be pretty bold of the Padres to do that. The other part is, and I, I've talked about this with a couple of people, is is there a point where you just have to say, look, we made a bad decision signing Will Myers to this big contract. It hasn't worked out. We need to just eat the $60 million and get him out of here. That's, that point's not here yet because of what is undeniably Will Myers' ability. And I'll go a step further. He could look like Mike Trout in April and May, and would you have confidence that he was going to do so in June? <laughs> so, I mean, you know, uh, but that's something that they are – going to have to kind of live with because they couldn't they couldn't move him are they still trying yeah but here's the deal like the teams that have players that they want don't want will myers money i mean if you really want to be like the potteries were legit in on will myers uh, until the dodgers got in and at that point it's a no-brainer with the resources the dodgers have the red sox wanted to reset on the uh you know luxury tax Right. You mean they were in on Mookie? But you, you mean they were in on Mookie Betts? Just Mookie to Betts. just on to clarify Betts. that. Right. Okay. Yes. And it, it, those teams, the Padres, don't have room for eating Will Myers' contract. <clears throat> they don't have room for adding a big contract without getting rid of Will Myers. So it's it's a situation that just isn't going to go away. And it turns out that Ron Fowler was right in the beginning of the offseason when he, um, you know, in the same uh, comments in which he said, you know, heads will roll if, if they're not improved. He said, it looks like we're going to be keeping Will Myers. I think he might have said something. At least it sounded like stuck with. But um, <laughs> you know, it turns out that that, that, was, that that is indeed the case um, as hard as. AJ Preller tried. It's a it's an awkward situation. Uh, look, like I said, there's no denying that the guy has talent. But uh, and 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 your question is a valid one to revisit every once in a while. Like, okay, I mean, now he's just taking up a roster space. Right. Now you're just right. having to fit him into the lineup. I mean, at some point you. But that is a boatload of money, and they worked so hard to get out from under all that dead money of the of the of the past bad decisions. Yeah, but it's a boat. I mean, I you know, look, it's not my money. It's easy to say it's a boatload of money, and yet it's not. 
I mean, if you really <laughs> if you really think about it, I mean, you're talking twenty million dollars a year on a payroll that could be up, you know, should be up around one hundred and fifty or whatever. So yeah, it's a it's a boatload of money. But they've eaten money in the past. I mean, you can go back to some of the guys they signed, like a Josh Johnson. I mean, that that was. You know, ten million for a year or two years, whatever it might have been. There, there's a whole bunch of instances, and you know, you just—I I guess it comes down to what what's the priority. And at some point, if if the priority is you're going to do everything you can to be the best team you can be and have the best players, and if Will Myers isn't one of those best 26 guys, then you know what? You just got to eat the money and say, "Look, we made a mistake, and we hope that we don't do it again." You know. Eric Hosmer is getting 144 million over over eight years. Right now, that looks like a mistake too. I'm not saying they should eat that they should eat the money, but they need production. They need more production out of out of Hosmer uh, as well. So I, I think it's easy to say for me to say they should eat the money, but I, I think you can make a pretty good case. I, I can make a pretty good case for it if that's what it comes down to. At this point, and I'm arguing with you about like. You know, I don't know if you call it uh, semantics or I would call it silly. That's for sure. At this point, there's no chance he's not one of the best 26. Now, it's no less ridiculous that you'd be playing, paying your 26 man $20 million. Right, right. I just wanted to clarify that. Will Myers, I, 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 there's just not an, any chance that he's not one of the, the um, what, what are we going to say, the 13 best position players uh, on the team. I don't, I don't see it. Um, because you have to have something better. Just one Lagares uh, tear it up in the spring and show, uh, you know, whatever, the, whatever it was that, that saw some dips in, in, uh, in his offensive game, uh, which has never been, you know, sensational or the part of his game. Uh, you know, what's his spring show? Josh Naylor, is he ready to, to, to actually be a viable right fielder? Because that's where Will is going to get his shot. So, uh, you know, in terms of your rotation in the outfield, it, it depends on some other people too, but I do not believe with this, how hard they have worked to get out of this money that, that on the table right now is eating the 20 million. No, that, I mean, that's, that's fair enough. I'm just saying you can make an argument that, yeah. that they need to, that at some point and they need to do Jay, you're right about a lot of stuff. So one day you're going to be able to say, yep, should have done that back <laughs> when I first said it. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's keep moving along. What, what are they doing at catcher? Well, I was, just, I was just talking to Austin Hedges today, and that's a story that will be in Wednesday's paper. Probably it's up to you, but might post uh, later today on Tuesday as we record this. Weird. Here we are again. Same Replay last uh, replay last spring. Is it Hedges? Is it Mejia? Is it Hedges? Mejia? How's the split of time going to be? That's what, right? Look, uh, look they'll still take uh, offers for either one of them, but right now you're in the same situation, and it's a spring training competition. How much improved is Francisco Mejia behind the plate? It's only going to get so good. Uh, and how, how much better is Austin uh, Hedges at the, uh, at the plate? Uh, I don't know that you can say it's only going to get so good, but the Padres need it to be a certain amount of good. It can't be a buck 95. <laughs> right, right. Uh, well, we've been saying this forever. That's what the weird thing about this. Now, I talked to Austin, a little sneak preview. You know, Austin's pretty, you know, he's a guy who's not afraid to say he's the best catcher in the game, blah, blah, and that he still should be out there. Even He owns it. He's got to be better. He knows it. Uh, he's going to try again. There's not much more that, that Austin Hedges can say about it. Right. But he's, you know, and the, and the thing is, he's going to be 28 years old this year. So, I mean, it it just feels like if it's going to happen, it, it, it's, it needs to happen pretty soon. If the team around him is better. Right. And he's slightly better. Mm-hmm. 
this is a guy you can tolerate. Yes. That's all the Padres want. I know, we keep saying that. Which is actually one of the most frustrating things for them. They're not asking him to be JT Real Muto. They're not asking him to, to be, uh, you know, Yadier Molina in his prime, uh, uh, or even Yadier Molina now. They're asking <laughs> him to be a guy who's not an automatic out, who maybe gets the, you know, the pitcher up, who, who extends an inning. They're, they're, they're asking him to, to bat 220, 230. That's all they're asking because of what he brings behind the plate. So another aspect of my story will be, you know, Another reason for the urgency here, Austin, is they're going to take that whole receiving thing away from you, probably. Right, right. In the next couple of years. In other words, uh, well, that's, and that, I mean, Austin's made a, a lot of his career out of the fact that umpires are terrible. And, and <laughs> so, you know, you, you call it pitch, people love to call it pitch framing. I call it bad umpiring, but that's another. You can be a one dimensional catcher after that, but you can't be, it can't be the one dimension that Austin has. Right, right. Now, do you think on I mean, the. talking about guys just taking the ball like in a different type of stance even you know get like eliminating base running because like receiving will not be important no that's true i mean you could i that, that's interesting i hadn't yeah i hadn't thought of that that's for we could do that another day yeah but, you, but, but austin you, has definitely thought about it it's yeah his mind. makes sense <laughs> now now do you think there's an extra guy on the roster this year we've got 26 instead of 25 and it has to be a position player if i remember remember the the wording correctly Jake Cronenworth, Javier Guerra. Um, now they've already declared that Javier Guerra, who has no options, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in terms of you know the flexibility with him and the you know roster, uh, Javier Guerra, they've already declared him as a pitcher. I don't know. I got to look into that. Like, could, he, could they call him a shortstop now or a utility infielder? They can call Jake Cronenworth that. So I think that is a fascinating. I don't know if it's one of the biggest storylines, but right. I think it's a very interesting storyline in spring. Yeah, no, I would, uh, I would agree. And you see something like that more than say keeping a third catcher. I do at this point, though. It's on my list of uh, you know questions that will be asked early uh, in camp and then monitored throughout. Is you know Luis Torrens, who you know showed some improvement, and you know he's not either one of these guys. Uh, Mejia or Hedges with their tools, you know, offensively, defensively, respectively. But, you know, is he valuable to keep around? Sure, I, I guess. I don't know if he can play first. Uh, right. You know, Austin Allen might have been a nice, viable third catcher. But I do believe that with uh, the acquisition of Cronenworth uh, in particular, the guy who, uh, who came over with Tommy Pham, who plays uh, two uh, infield positions, the middle ones, and then is a pitcher and understands, you know, I guess pretty darn good that uh you know for, for being a, a multi-position mm-hmm. player that this that was the the idea let's see how this works yeah no i think that's i think that's fascinating all right we're almost uh i hate to say we're out of time but we are almost out of out of time not lose more people right right but so the last thing the last thing that i i think we should talk about and i'll ask you about is what can we expect from the first spring training where Jace Tingler is in charge as the manager of a big league ball club? Well, I think he and his staff, and so you're talking about like Bobby Dickerson coming in, mm-hmm. Skip Schumacher, who's kind of, you know, he's a taskmaster, and uh, I think he'll be, he's now the associate manager, a little more freedom and, and responsibilities. Wayne Kirby, guys who've been around and have been around big time players and, and, and all that. I mean, I think you're going to see a little more. And this isn't to, to, to bag on Andy Green or any other manager or anything. Like, it's just to say discipline and, and fundamentals super important to these guys. Now, there's only so much discipline you instill with major league ball players. There's only so much new tricks that you give to the, the old dogs. 
But I do believe that uh, from the stories I've heard of the, when uh, Tingler and uh, you know coaches like Dickerson have traveled around and have met players, there's like this no nonsense. There's like a hey, we're doing a restart here. You're going to do it our way. I do think there'll be some different types of drills um, and some things that are important. And, and Jace Tingler, bit um, big, big, big on you know advancing runners on base running, um, and so. I, I I am going to, I have notes to myself to just constantly keep an eye on, hey, what am I seeing different that, that, that they're working on or like emphasizing maybe a little more and ask those kinds of questions. Um, you know, was, uh, that's it. We don't know much about Jay Singler, do we? So that that's it. No, I mean, and, and I feel like, you know, you wrote, you wrote the big long story about him after visiting him back in the Kansas City area, which told us a lot about his, his background. And, and, you know, we had another... I don't know, 1,500 word Q&A with him this week, but you're right. It still doesn't mean that we know a whole lot uh, about him. And, and I don't know, you know, I don't know when, when we'll find out. Spring training is long. The season is long. Spring training feels interminable and it's just getting started. So I always explain to people about spring training. They ask me, so what's spring training like? I go, it is awesome. It really is. Everybody's in a good mood. It's, uh, it was a lot of optimism and, and you learn a lot of things. The weather's great and, and it, great it's baseball right and then the season starts <laughs> because it is it's a lot of long days it goes forever it's me you know you get to a certain point where these games are just meaningless it's ridiculous and then oh yeah here comes six months of non-stop games right um, right so that's, well that's spring training hopefully those games will be more meaningful later into the year than they've uh than they've been so anyway kevin always good to get started again and uh we will we will do this again next week and, and see how the first uh, week or so of, of camp has gone. And uh, we want to thank everyone for, uh, for joining us again. And we're looking forward to, uh, for, to doing this throughout the season as the Padres move into 2020 with their new brown uniforms and their new spring training caps. Oh, everyone... Read about it in the Union Tribune. All right. Thanks, everybody. 